0: Hey guys, happy Thursday, and thank you for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast to hang out with me, to discuss the Bible with me, and to share a cup of coffee or tea with me. And hi, my name is Jen. I am the host of the P40 Ministries podcast, and so excited to share this episode with you today that we will be talking about. Today, we are actually going to be discussing uh, a really interesting passage of scripture from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30, and this is talking about the woman who uh, jesus affectionately refers to as a little dog so let's talk about that and see why jesus calls this woman that and uh you know grab your cup of coffee and your bible and let's go ahead and read this as i always do i will be reading at the web version but please feel free to read out of whatever version you prefer to read out of and let's go ahead and start From there he arose and went away into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. He entered into a house and didn't want anyone to know it, but he couldn't escape notice. For a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, having heard of him, came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by race. She begged him that he would cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the little children be filled first, for it is not appropriate to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. She went away to her house and found the child having been laid on the bed with the demon gone out. For sake of interpretation, I actually switched over to the AMP just now, just to um, talk a little bit more in depth about what Jesus is saying here to this woman. So right after Jesus was done talking with the multitudes and he was telling them all about uh, the difference between, um, you know, tradition and you know how tradition is often mistaken to be God's word, but it's not actually God's word. He leaves from there and he goes to this area called Tyre and Sidon. Now, this would be about 50 miles away from any jewish territory so this was gentile territory and we only see jesus going into gentile territory a handful of times because jesus typically came to the jews because the jews were in need of salvation if that makes sense since jesus um, was prophesied to be the messiah the savior who was to fulfill the jewish law he went to the jews first but of course the gentiles did have salvation as well But that's not really expressed until the book of Acts, which is what we'll get into later on after the life of Jesus. But anyway, so he goes to Tyre and Sidon and he wanted to get away from the multitudes a little bit. So it says here that he entered a house and did not want anyone to know about it. So it wasn't because he was ashamed to be with Gentile people. We see that he was not actually ashamed to be with Gentile people. It was not because of that. But it's possible that first and foremost, he wanted to get away from the multitudes because we see that Jesus is not getting a break at all at any point in time ever. Basically, he is always surrounded with people and they're always trying to get stuff out of him. And he, It says that several times throughout uh, the Bible that Jesus was actually unable to even eat or sleep because he was constantly surrounded by people. So he gets away from them and he goes into this Gentile region for a little bit because him and his disciples have literally no rest at all. So it's possible that Jesus, when he went into this Gentile home, didn't want to make it known because firstly he wanted to avoid the crowds, but also he didn't want to needlessly offend any Jews that would have heard about this. And we'll talk about this a lot. The Jews back then hated the Gentiles. They absolutely hated them. The Gentiles were um, not a part of God's law. And even though God's law included Gentiles in it, we'll see that in the book of Isaiah where um, you know people who are outcasts, God says he's going to bring them in. He talks about several times we've already seen this, that the foreigner that lives in a Jewish territory should be treated as a Jew if they are following God's law. So God gave it to the Jews because they were his chosen people, but the Jews were supposed to allow Gentiles to follow the Jewish law. And God was basically saying, there's no such thing as cultural appropriation here. You're supposed to allow whoever wants to follow the law to follow it. And actually, the Jews were supposed to bless all of the other nations because of the law. And they were supposed to allow foreigners who wanted to follow it to actually follow it. So, of course, that got twisted over time and Gentiles became hated people. So when Jesus is entering into this Gentile person's home and staying there, because this would have been a Gentile person's home, probably, I mean, that would have been absolutely sickening to a Jewish person because Jewish people actually believed it was a sin to even enter a Gentile home. So if this would have been spread around that Jesus was sinning, who, who knows how that could have negatively affected Jesus's ministry, even though it was, of course, not a sin to enter into a Gentile home. So now we see that Jesus is going into this home and, But it was literally impossible for him to be hidden from the public. (laughs) So he was so popular. He was so famous that people from all over knew who he was. So he's not hidden. And Jesus is never hidden. People are always finding him. He's always touching lives. He's always healing somebody. So he was never hidden like anytime throughout his ministry. So people find him. They recognize who he is. And there was this woman here. And she was a Greek or a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by nationality. Now, I don't know what a Syrophoenician is, but that means basically she was not a Jewish woman. So she finds Jesus. She sees that he's staying at this home in her area. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I need to go speak with him because first and foremost, he's the Messiah. And secondly, I have a very, very sick daughter who is under attack by a demon, basically. So it says here that after hearing about him. She came and immediately fell at Jesus's feet and she was pleading with Jesus. She's pleading with him. Please, Jesus, Jesus, you know, heal my daughter. And we find out from the book of Matthew. Actually, we talked about this story once before, and I like talking about these stories again because it gives more context. You know, Matthew gave some excellent context to the story, and so did Mark. I mean, Mark gives a different kind of story here. Whereas Matthew was kind of saying, you know, this woman was just pleading and the disciples were trying to get her away and stuff. (laughs) So who knows how long she was pleading? She could have been sitting there for a good solid five minutes before Jesus said anything to her, but she's just constantly pleading with him. And, you know, Jesus is doing this not only to teach her a lesson, but to teach, I believe, everybody in that vicinity a lesson as well, because everything Jesus does, he is doing it to get to that person's heart. So this woman is literally kneeling at his feet and she's like, please heal my daughter. Please, please, please. So then finally, Jesus responds to her and he says to her, first, let the children of Israel be fed for it is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the pet dogs or the non Jews. Now, this is actually the reason I switched over to the AMP version. So back in these days. The Jews actually used a word to describe Gentile people. And the Gentile people knew what this word was. And this word was called, I think, kuon. Kuyon, ku, Kuyon. <laughs> it means dog. But it was way more derogatory than the word dog. This was actually more like bitch. So, and excuse my language there, but there's no other way to say it. So, basically, this word was extremely derogatory To describe a Gentile person as somebody who was filthy, you know, it it was just a horrible swear word that they used to describe these Gentile people. Jesus was not actually using that word in any way, shape, or form. So he softens it, and he probably knew this woman may have been called a Kuyan before in her lifetime. Who knows? Maybe she was. So she probably knew that word, knew that the Jews used that word. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is changing it a little bit. And he actually says the word kounerion. And that actually describes a pet dog or a little dog. And actually, diminutives in Greek are notoriously gentle and notoriously affectionate. So all of a sudden, this woman, who may have been called a kouyon in the past, hears This gentle word, Cunarion, which means a little dog or a little pet dog. And, uh, you know, dogs are adorable. (laughs) I talk about my dog sometimes on the podcast and he's super cute. I'm always taking pictures of him. He's always sleeping funny. He's always doing this, doing that. You know, we're very affectionate towards our pet dogs. And back then in these days, I'm sure people were just as affectionate towards their pet dogs and probably loved their pet dogs. So Jesus softens it. He uses a diminutive, which means to make it smaller than what it is. And he refers to this Gentile woman as a pet dog or a little dog, very affectionately. So this woman hears this, and instead of being offended by the word dog, she says to Jesus, she says, yes, Lord, but even the pet dogs under the table, Eats the crumbs from the children's bread. And so isn't that fascinating? She wasn't like, how dare you call me a dog? You know, maybe she was called a cruel word for a dog. And now she hears Jesus say this. And she's like, wow, you know, that's pretty fascinating that he changed that word around a little bit to make it mean something so much better than what it was. So in faith, she responds by saying, yes, you know what, Jesus, I am a little dog. I'm a dog. And I recognize my lowly position as compared to you. Now, we find out in Matthew that she actually believed Jesus was the Messiah. And she says to Jesus, she calls him the Messiah. She calls him the son of David. And that was a way people expressed the Messiah. So the fact that she was calling Jesus the Messiah means that she knew in her heart who Jesus was. He was the savior that was prophesied about. So she believed that Jesus was so much greater than her that she didn't care that Jesus called her a little dog. And so she admits, she's like, yeah, you know what? Yes, I am a little dog. So the cool thing about this prayer here that this woman says is it's just absolutely filled with faith. And of course, Jesus blesses her for this response that she gives. And uh, he didn't even come to heal her daughter. He just says, your faith is so good that your daughter is healed. And so this woman goes away and it says that she actually found the child lying, relaxing and resting on the couch, the demon completely gone. So this was probably a young child And, um, you know, this woman was so concerned for her daughter. But going back to the um, prayer that she gives, I mean, the response that this woman gives to Jesus, it was fascinating because she was humbly coming before Jesus. And that is what Jesus is always telling us to do. I mean, even in the Lord's Prayer, there is so much humbleness in that prayer. If you read it, you know, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I mean, humble right there. And then it also says your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's another humble thing. Not asking God for our will to be done, but asking for God's will to be done because we recognize that God's will is better. So Jesus tells us when he said the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, he was telling us that when we pray to God, we have to be humble. So this woman right here is just absolutely oozing humbleness in her response to Jesus and Jesus blesses her for this. And we've seen this several other times from different people in the Bible. We saw this from the centurion who was extremely humble when he came before Jesus and asked for his servant to be healed. He said, you know, I believe that you don't even have to come to my home to heal my servant. You can just do it right here. I mean, that was humbleness right there that he didn't want Jesus to come into his home. He didn't expect any of that, but that he just knew that Jesus was powerful enough way beyond our typical beliefs for how healing should be done, that Jesus could just say the word and that servant would be healed. So we see these acts of faith from people in the Bible where Jesus is actually impressed with their humbleness and with their faith. And this is another example right here in verse 29. It says, Jesus said to her, because of this answer, reflecting your humility and faith, go knowing that your request is granted and the demon has left your daughter permanently. So that's the AMP version of that verse. So I believe that this right here is a call for us to be humble in our requests to God. In fact, Paul even mentions that. Paul says that everything that you pray, pray with thanksgiving. So we're supposed to be thanking God for everything, even if, you know, we have a very urgent request, with thanksgiving, with thankfulness to God, we're supposed to be presenting that urgent request to God. And God blesses those people that have that thankful heart in humility, because it takes an amount of humbleness to be thankful, as weird as that is. (laughs) Like sometimes it is really hard to be thankfulness, but thankfulness requires contentment. It requires uh, not believing we need more or, you know, not coveting what other people have, you know, wishing we had what they had. And, uh, you know, thankfulness requires humility. So I think it's important for us to have that humility in our prayer life. And I think that will yield much better results than just constantly asking God for everything that we need. And when I say that, I don't mean that God's not going to, you know, give us requests if we don't say a a prayer of thanksgiving, because God is very merciful and he does listen to us. And it says to bring all of our prayers before God. But I believe that you know, if Jesus taught us to be humble as we pray and Paul was talking about humbleness through thanksgiving in our prayer lives, then I believe it's very important for us to have that humbleness in our prayer lives. So I guess my point is basically, how do we have that humbleness the next time we come before God? I believe first and foremost, it is through thanksgiving, and I believe it's also through um, telling God, you know, your will be done instead of mine, and then asking God for the stuff that we need or something like that. So that is one way I believe that one thing that we can take away from this passage of scripture today with this Gentile woman and her prayer and request of humbleness, if that makes sense. So I suppose my call to action is next time you pray today or tomorrow or whenever you do a daily prayer, Do it with a heart of thankfulness. And if you find yourself being unthankful, like I often do... <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, stop and think, you know, God, thank you for the stuff I do have. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my bed. Thank you for my husband. You know, and reflect on the, the stuff that you do have and then offer up your prayer of want or need or whatever it might be. But, friends and faithful listeners, once again, this was Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. I hope you enjoyed uh, these few verses in the Bible, but they're such sweet verses. And, you know, Jesus was so gentle to this woman. This Gentile woman, he was so sweet and gentle to her and he was so loving towards her. And this woman was so humble that she was able to accept that blessing from Jesus in the way that um, Jesus was going to do it, if that makes sense. But I hope that you guys have a fantastic Friday. Make sure to join in tomorrow at 6 a.m. for an episode out of Exodus. And we're going to be talking about part three or part four or or whatever it is, part two. (laughs) of the building of the tabernacle. You know, we're going through a series right now in Exodus, which is the building of the tabernacle. And fun fact, I'm just going to throw this out there. Stephanie Roussel, who is on my podcast a handful of weeks ago, she actually is currently doing a tabernacle series on her podcast, which is called Gospel Spice. And I found that so funny. I, I actually messaged her the other day and I was like, that is so crazy that you and I are in the same exact part of scripture (laughs) at the same exact time on our podcast. That's kind of funny. So if you guys want to hear what Stephanie Roussel has to say uh, about the building of the tabernacle on her podcast, definitely go over to Gospel Spice and uh, take a look at her version of the tabernacle series that she's doing. But friends and faithful listeners, thank you so, so much for tuning in this morning. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless and happy listening.